In this episode, I take you through all things flexible dieting and tracking macros. It's definitely an episode where you'll want to get a pen and paper to take notes. There's also some freebies that I mentioned. So if you want them, head to fitandfree.podcast, shoot me a DM and I will send them to you. As always, if you love the episodes, please give them a share and help us grow this community of women who are building bodies that they love and letting go of the perfectionism. Without further ado, let us get into the episode. Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self at the same time. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and nutrition and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to turn that ship around and build a body you love inside and out. So let's go. Hello, hello everyone, back for episode 15, another episode of this podcast and super excited for this topic today. It is definitely one of the most popular topics that I get in my DMs on a weekly basis and whenever I'm speaking to new clients, more often than not, there are still some things that maybe they didn't even know about flexible dieting and or tracking macros and we'll get into that shortly. But I wanted to put this episode together as really a comprehensive overview of what is flexible dieting and what is macro tracking and the nuts and bolts. And I'll go through absolutely everything that I'm going to be talking about soon. But if you're someone who has physical performance goals and you're looking at being more mindful with your food intake and perhaps you're curious about flexible dieting and tracking macros or even if you've been doing it for some time but you think maybe that there's still some things to learn this this is definitely the episode for you so why this topic and more importantly, why flexible dieting or why tracking macros? So meal planning has definitely been shown to assist some people, typically for shorter periods of time and typically those who might identify or resonate with the phrase like, I have no idea how to eat and I don't want to knock meal planning at all and it's something, I've got to be honest, I did used to do a number of years ago only because my perception at that point I had come from a really restricted background of eating and to me meal planning was just another very restrictive tool in the arsenal to use when we're looking at trying to get either physical performance outcomes. So uh, the lens I was looking at meal planning through was through a lens where I hadn't done all my inner work, hadn't, hadn't really got to a place where I am now. Now I can see meal planning as something that absolutely has benefits for some people, but of course there are limitations. So Flexible dieting as a concept is typically used when we're talking about tracking macros, but I also want to push the boundaries of that a little bit and say when we're thinking about what flexible dieting actually means, it doesn't necessarily mean we're in a deficit. Like dieting doesn't have to be synonymous with a calorie deficit. Dieting is just like what is our diet? How 
are we, you know, what foods are we consuming on the daily that makes up our diet, right? And then when we're looking at flexibility, it's still aiming to eat two specific targets. And this could be like uh, macronutrient targets, or it could be a different way of being able to quantify our food. So for example, serving sizes of particular macronutrients, and we're going to be looking in the ha- at the hand plant soon. So any way that we're actually with intent trying to quantify our intake with flexibility that's not granted through a meal plan. Okay, so that's the distinction I really wanted to make when we're looking at flexible dieting versus something like a strict meal plan. Strict meal plan, you have to eat the the foods on the plan. More flexible way of eating is having a basic understanding of what are the particular targets you need to hit and then having some flexibility with food choices within that, right? So just want to get that out of the way. Um, Like I said before, meal planning, it can assist people, sure, but the issue that, that happens with this specifically is that what I've seen is people can either start to buy into the notion that, well, these specific foods get me a specific result. We know that that is not the case. And it doesn't actually help the person with their you know trusting of themselves, which has nothing to do with this whole just listen to your body. Um, I think trusting ourselves when it comes to food is a combination of one, listening to your body, but with education informing that. So for example, if I was to just listen to my body, yeah, sometimes I do honestly crave fruits and veggies, but it's not as much as I actually really need to fuel myself with for effective performance, physique and health goals. So if I was just to listen to my body, I'd probably eat like a starving three-year-old throwing a tantrum. But if I listen to my body with the education that I have learned through both my studies and my own experience, that is a that is a different kettle of fish. And I can be autonomous without the assistance of my coach, right? And that's the other thing. Like, of course, I have a coach. Um, I understand how to track macros. I understand how to set them. I understand how to hit my micronutrient values all without um, needing to go elsewhere. Like, I understand how to do this myself. But it has taken years of studies and experience to learn how to do that, right? So I think if we're given a meal plan, sometimes we can fall into the trap of, like, not knowing how to eat without a plan or without a coach or without something else, someone else telling us what to do. And at least from where I am with the kind of woman I'm coaching and the kind of woman that I'm working with, it's actually way more beneficial if throughout the coaching process, they learn how to make these decisions for themselves. They understand all of the back end process, right? So then whether they continue to do something like tracking macros or they move to more of a mindful food choice place they're coming from a place of empowerment and they're less likely to fall into fad dieting practices which are just plastered all over the socials all over popular media uh, to get our attention to make us think that there's something wrong with us that we need to fix with a particular diet okay nine times out of ten it's not going to be the case if you're diagnosed with something that's a different kettle of fish and again, diagnosed by who, right? So we need to be really careful with that. But without going too far off topic, it is really useful. In my case, it's really useful to 
provide my clients with the education so that post our relationship working together, they feel confident and comfortable no matter if they're in a deficit, a maintenance phase or a surplus phase, eating, and they understand how to make decisions for themselves. To be honest with you, when it comes to food, it's actually super unsexy. There are no magic tricks. You don't have to cut out food groups to get results. It's pretty fucking boring. It's lean protein sources, wide variety of fruits and veggies, like two fruits, five veggies will get you some way to hitting your targets. Maybe for some of you, that's all you need. And whole grains with a sprinkling of whatever you know, you'd like to eat, right? Some fun stuff in there as well. It's pretty boring advice, isn't it? There's no, that's, that's not, I imagine for all of you listening to that as common sense, the struggles that we often have come from all of the beliefs we have around our body and foods and keeping up with the Joneses and all of those sorts of things. So those things start to get laid in that make these things really challenging. Plus, of course, we're being bombarded with you should do X, Y, Z. Okay, so I'm going to go through the important things that we need to keep in mind when we're looking at <clears throat> flexible dieting. And within that, we just want to keep it as simple as possible. So finally, just a caveat before I get into the nuts and bolts of like what we're actually going to talk about. This is for those who are interested in physique and or performance goals and, of course, health. It's not for anyone who's been diagnosed with an eating disorder or anything like that, okay? So just making sure that this is not providing any specific advice to a person. It's all general advice. And if you are suffering from an eating disorder, of course, your best avenue is with qualified professionals who will help you with that all right so let's jump into the content I actually have no idea how long this is going to take me to get through hopefully it isn't too crazy I have specific notes to follow so I will keep on track going through the basically cliff notes of what I'm going to speak about today we're going to look at what are some flexible dieting options without specifically tracking macros um, and you're still being able to quantify your intake in some way what about if you're like, you know what, well, I've heard of macros, I've heard of macro tracking, but what are they and why should I track them? Are there any contraindications for tracking macros? So anything you should look out for that maybe it's not for you? Are there any red flags that you should be wary of that are like light bulbs that throughout the process of tracking macros, maybe there's something you need to work on? Other, uh, sorry, how do I actually track them? So how do we actually do this and where to start in terms of using apps and all of those sorts of things, common mistakes to avoid that I've seen. And then we have some listener questions. So I'll get through those listener questions at the very end, just to give you a, an overview of what they are. Like how do we manage eating relatively healthily through all different phases? And then what do we do in terms of hitting our targets if we're not hungry, right? So I'll talk about those issues and some issues surrounding those at the very end. So let us dive straight in. So the first one is what are some flexible dieting options that actually don't involve tracking macros? So here's where I'll give a shout out to Precision Nutrition who have something called the hand plan. And if you've been finding potentially tracking macros is a little bit too laborsome for you or you want to start quantifying your intake, but maybe tracking macros does seem a little bit too overwhelming, something you can try is called the hand plan. And it's basically using your hand as an eyeballing of portion sizes for each of the macronutrients. So we'd be looking at portion sizing of 
lean proteins, portion sizing of fats, and then carbohydrates are broken down into starchy carbs and then uh, fruits and veggies, I believe, as one as well. So we're using our hand. So for example, the protein size is the size of your palm, the fat size is the size of your thumb, and then I believe starchy carbs is like the size of your uh, fist or cupped hand. And for women, I believe it starts out with something like four of those serving sizes a day uh, would be where you would start. And then you can add serving sizes or decreases needed. And for men, I believe it's double. So it's about eight. But definitely head on over to the Precision Nutrition website and you'll find the hand plan there for further information. But it can be really, really valuable. It it can be a little bit more challenging than tracking macros to do this because you're going to be best off using the hand plan if you're eating mostly single ingredient foods. What are, what are single ingredient foods? Things that aren't processed. <laughs> okay, so you might have a lot of trouble with the hand plan if you're eating more processed based foods or if you're eating out a lot and don't know what's in certain foods. But again, head to their website and uh, they have a lot of really good information that might help you there. Okay, so that is what I would recommend. You could do something like uh, a food diary as well, but you will still need to have some knowledge about like what's a protein, what's a carb, what's a fat, uh, and making sure you're hitting your fiber targets too. If we're going to want to quantify our food like this, again, without using a meal plan. And it's like, look, the trade-offs, using a meal plan, you don't have to think for yourself at all. Someone is providing you with the information. The trade-off there, you don't learn anything and you're going to have to use that meal plan day in, day out or ask for a new one every single time you want to change the foods that you're having, right? So it, it while, like I said, it can be good for those starting out and those starting to needing to understand like what does actual portion sizing look like? What does a day on a plate look like? Those sorts of things. Uh, there's just the, that lacking education for long-term sustainability. And to be honest with you, we really need to ask ourselves, like, where are we prioritizing our health, our wellness, our physique, our performance goals? Because if, if it's a priority, then we do need to understand it comes with some level of education, right? Uh, and we need, to, we need to put the time and effort into learning at least the basics, okay? So then from there, we're going to look at the question. So I've heard of macros, I've heard of tracking, but what are they and then why should I track them? So macros, like I've said just before, stand for macronutrients. They're protein, carbs, and fats. Of course, alcohol is also a macronutrient, but because it doesn't assist us with any nutritional value or in reaching our physique and performance goals, and to some extent, depending on how much we're drinking, will actually move us further away, we are not going to think about having assigned alcohol targets per day because that would be hilarious. So each of the macronutrients, has an assigned energy unit value, which is just called a calorie. So calorie is just a unit of energy. Carbs and proteins are four calories per gram. Alcohol is seven and fat is nine. So you can see that fat is the most calorically dense out of all of the macronutrients. I think something that is really useful to mention here is that when we're talking about grams of a particular macro, we're talking about the macro itself and not a particular food that might be primarily a macro. So I'll just say that in an easier way to understand. For example, if you have 100 grams of chicken breast in front of you, we know, well, you may not know, but most of us might know that chicken breast primarily is going to be made up of protein. 
but it doesn't mean that the 100 grams of chicken breast is 100 grams of protein. 100 grams of chicken breast may only be around 30 grams of protein. The chicken is obviously made up of lots of other things, you know, water being one of them, okay? So just a caveat on that. So that is a brief explanation of the macros. Now, why would you track them? Okay, so this is really, this is the cool part. This is the part where I start to get very excited. And those of you who, who uh, are in my Facebook group will know that I tend to get very excited when talking about these kinds of things and talking about physique and performance. So here we go. <laughs> to lose body fat, we need to be in a calorie deficit. And to be best placed to build muscle, we at least need to be consuming maintenance calories, if not a surplus of calories. Now, if we add training into the mix and have the ultimate desire of being at least somewhat lean and, a, and having a decent amount of muscle mass, it's not just calories that we need to consider. It's also macronutrient distribution as well. So Often when I'm speaking to people on the phone for as a new client consult, they'll say that they've tracked calories before, but tracking macros, they sort of haven't understand how to do that. And it's like tracking calories is good because that's how we can control, typically control body weight, body weight being different from body fat and body composition, okay? So we can have two people that weigh exactly the same. The person who is going to have higher levels of lean body mass or at like, and within that is muscle tissue. So lean body mass isn't just uh, muscle. It makes up everything that's not fat mass, right? So like bones, organs, all that sort of stuff as well. But the person with high levels of lean body mass is – uh, typically going to have more of that desired, like that toned physique than someone without it, okay? And this is where some people get really caught up with dieting is they're just dieting over and over again, losing the same five kilos, having not built any muscle, potentially even losing muscle and getting really disheartened with how their physique looks because they haven't actually reached their goal of building muscle, which would give them the physique that they're trying to get because they, they're missing this piece. Number one, it's typically using missing the, the macronutrient piece, but also the training piece, right? So often this is where we see, and this is something that I did as well, um, you know, running marathons, very focused, I say plural, I only did one, uh, but running for years and years on end, trying to be like toned uh, without realizing that I needed to do some resistance training and being in it, trying to be in a deficit all of the time, which led to these bouts of not binge eating, but overeating for sure. Uh, and I just didn't understand all of these pieces to the puzzle. Okay. So the beauty of tracking macros or even something like the hand plan is being able to quantify our energy intake. And at the moment, tracking macros is the most specific way we can do it. There is absolutely error in, in tracking macros, like on our end on food labeling ends, on even uh, just doing, you know, our best estimates in terms of whole foods, it, there's going to be errors throughout throughout the whole process, but it's the best we can do at the moment in order to try and eat in a way that the evidence suggests we're going to be moving towards our, our physique goals. Plus, of course, being able to manipulate our intake to support our different training our training targets, our physique targets, uh, muscle growth, vitality, ultimately creating the physique we want. And it's pretty much like playing Tetris for physique outcomes, okay, which is tracking macros. So you can see why I get pretty excited about it. 
before we go further, the next point that I wanted to talk about was contraindications because tracking macros is not for everyone. And there's, there can be some people who it actually really disrupts their life. And I think it's it's very important to talk about it. And it's something, again, that I talk with you guys about in, in the, the DMs. And I've had this conversation with clients. I've had some clients who have trialed it in the past and, and know it wasn't for them. I've had some clients where... I've noticed that it's going to be really important to wean them off. I've had some clients who've come to me asking to be weaned off. Uh, it is really, really interesting. But generally, we'd be wary of this where there is a history of disordered be- eating behaviours, um, potential issues with obsessive behaviour, poor relationships, poor relationships, ugh, I can't say this, poor relationships with food. But there's also a caveat to that you guys would know I'm a big on nuance like I am so big on nuance and I think sometimes my content doesn't quite land because I am caught up in the nuance so often and I'm not just going to make a clickbaity headline and subscribe to a dogmatic way of thinking even if that gets more visibility because my integrity matters, your health, your wellness, your results matter to me way more than that. But I have worked with uh, specific eating disorder psychologists before who were working alongside me with my clients and some of them have actually recommended that my clients with specific eating disorders do track so my initial thoughts on that is that when I have a client with some, an eating disorder, I refer them out to a particular allied health professional, whether it's a dietitian or a psychologist who specializes in eating disorders. There's, of course, a wide variety of qualified professionals that I will refer out to. But and I'll get on the phone with them. We'll chat about the, the client and what's in their best interest. And it actually did surprise me the first few times that some of my clients, the, the, the qualified advice was, was that they would benefit from tracking. So again, the caveat there is if you do have any of these past issues, definitely speaking to a qualified professional to see maybe tracking is actually a good option for you. Uh, But sometimes it may not be. Sometimes it may just exacerbate everything and make it worse. So there you go. There's a nuance there. The next one we want to look at is are there any red flags that you should be wary of throughout the tracking process? So say you've started tracking. Now, this is one where we're not talking about eating disorders but we're talking about behaviors that might start to creep in that should be like a light bulb moment for you that maybe we just need to assess and if you're working with a coach speak up about these issues uh communication with a coach is really important if you're doing this on your own just a light bulb moment that you may not realize that something is up so something like tracking absolutely everything including super low calorie foods like and again there's so many caveats so so much nuance to this that I, I just have to explain like if you're a competitor moving towards a show then potentially tracking low calorie foods is going to be important so I'm talking even things like chewing gum right I wouldn't suggest a lifestyle client who, even in a deficit, if they're getting results, needs to track chewing gum. Like we don't need to, it's low calorie, but potentially, and again, I don't coach physique competitors, potentially there might be a reason that your coaches ask you to do so, right? Like 
I don't want to say blanket that they're doing something wrong because there could be a good reason to do it. The same thing goes for things like green veggies, right? Or like, you know, lettuce and spinach and that sort of thing. It's something that I would like my clients not to track. And there are a few of you who are listening might be giggling because we're working on pulling away from having to track those sorts of things. Uh, but just having a think about how anal pretty much are you being with tracking it, not tracking something, how much stress is that providing? Because if there's any level of stress about this, I actually think it, it should be a little red flag. Again, may not be very serious, but it's just something to think about and reflect on and ask ourselves, like, why are we getting so anxious or stressed about something that's meant to be a tool to assist us with our physique goals, not a super dogmatic approach to food? Again, are we being too rigid? We're trying to flexibly diet so that we don't have to be as rigid as if we were being on a meal plan. If you're being rigid with your flexible diet and it's causing a lot of stress, <laughs> um, we may have issues. I actually just did a post recently on the Amy Louise coaching Instagram talking about is your rigid diet the reason why you can't get lean and it actually shows those who approach dieting really rigidly so specific foods like can eat these can't eat these have to eat at this time can't eat outside those times can't have an untracked meal all of those sorts of things actually end up overeating in times of emotional stress okay so it is really important to notice if this is being if this is a significant area of stress for you uh, weighing absolutely everything. So again, if you're a competitor with a physique goal and you need to get like to 10, 12% body fat, this could be really important. Again, I'm not, this podcast isn't for physique competitors, but if you're buying, say, you know, like I'm just going to give you an example of something that I just that came to my head, like fiber one bars, right? They come in little packets. If you're weighing out every single bar to track it perfectly, like that's a red flag, right? You've bought the, you've bought the food. There's a little bit of flexibility. We'd call that a fun food. Let's just eat it, track it, what the label says. Okay. Uh, and, and perfection. That's the other thing that I see often. I used to ask my clients to give me the ones who are tracking their macros, their weekly averages. And then I used to ask them to rank their, what, how they thought their compliance went in terms of a scale of one to 10. And so often I would get with, you know, within 10 grams of protein and carbs within five grams of fat, which to me is like a 10 out of 10, you've done amazingly. And I would still get, you know, someone like reporting a five or a six. Now I understand again, there's nuance in this. I understand that if they feel as if they maybe didn't hit their fiber targets or maybe they ate out and guesstimated more often that they want, I understand that you drop that away from 10, but getting really hung up on hitting macros to the gram is where I would draw the line. Even if you're struggling with eating out, even if eating at families, friends or family houses provide you with anxiety or eating out, you're getting really upset at friends for booking last minute meals, those sorts of things. If that's happening again, it's a red flag. Just ask ourselves, like, what are the beliefs that we have surrounding our food intake? What do we think is going to happen? Uh, all of those sorts of things. If you're working with a coach, let them know. Uh, and it's something that you would work through over periods of time to have a look at what the beliefs are surrounding your intake. And we typically have a little bit more room than we think. Uh, the more we're moving, the more activity we're engaging in, the, you know, the 
uh, higher our training intensity is, we're probably going to be burning quite a lot of calories and we'll have a lot more room to move as well, especially if we're in like maintenance or surplus phases. Yes, okay, if we're in a deficit phase, we are going to want to be uh, on point and on target. And I often have heard this with my clients who are absolute perfectionists. It's like, yes, Amy, you're telling me that I don't have to hit my macros to the ground, but if I don't, I'm not going to hit my, I'm not going to get my results, right? And it's like, look, not really like yes and no <laughs> again yes and no and everyone's going to hate me for being so non-black and white but this is true because there's going to be discrepancies in food labeling that's not perfect there's going to be discrepancies in just the nutrients like every 120 gram banana is not going to have the same amount of carbs just depending on where it was grown there's so many different things that go into that, like how ripe it is, all of those sorts of things, right? It's kind of crazy when you start to think of it. Uh, human error, there's just a lot of things that are going into it. You're, even your perfection is not going to be perfection in reality, okay? And then I'd rather think of all of this like a dial rather than, yes, you hit your macros to the gram or you fucking failed <laughs> and you're not going to hit your target. Let's take let's take this as a dial approach and thinking like, okay, step number one for 10 out of 10 compliance, you're within 10 grams of your fiber and protein, uh, sorry, within 10 grams of your carbs and protein target within five grams of your of your fat target. And you've, you know, within five grams of your fiber target, that's like, Fantastic. You've, you've hit the nail on the head for the week. Okay. Stepping back from that, you know, and every five grams out of those sorts of things, we're starting to move the dial down nine out of 10, eight out of 10, seven out of 10. And in order to get results, we're probably going to want to be around the 80% ish mark most days, at least or more uh, for more of the period of time. But if we have a couple of days here and there where things just don't go to plan, it's really not going to have that much of an impact at all. And you'll see, and a couple, uh, some things that I've been talking about with my clients recently is continuing to show up my perfectionist clients, my recovering perfectionist clients, continuing to show up, continuing to track, continuing to eat in the way you would for your goals, even when we have obstacles and emergencies and things don't go to plan. Because this is one of the most valuable lessons I actually learned throughout my competing process. Because prior to that, I was a perfectionist and very much like, well, if I didn't nail my food this week, then I'll just overeat all weekend and start again Monday. So that was me. Uh, and sometimes it will be start again the next month, right? And whilst I didn't have significant scale weight fluctuations, actually, now that I look back, I had a big fixation on keeping my weight underneath a certain number. So for me, I would just, you know, cut out foods and do all these crazy things. But um, what what was really important and what I learned through the competing process, because I'd set a date and like I just had to keep going no matter if I stuffed up or not, uh, if, if I remember there was one day where I accident, like purely accidentally tracked like some pancakes wrong and ended up eating, you know, 50, 60 grams of carbs over what I was meant to for the day. Now, before going through the competing process, I would have probably cried and probably eaten the whole pantry and vowed to start again Monday. But all I did in that situation, I just, I just let my coach know and, we didn't change anything. I don't even think at that point in time I ate, you know, less the next day to make up for it. We we just moved on, and I think there is a huge lesson. It was it was one of the one it was a really life changing moment for me in in terms of how to approach my food, and no matter what happened, what has just happened, 
can the very next food decision you make, make it in alignment with your goals. <laughs> uh, it's, it's crazy when that less naturally lands and you integrate with it. So that was the red flags throughout the process of tracking. All right, now to get into the nuts and bolts of how do I actually track? So first of all, you're going to need to know your number one, what your maintenance calorie intake is. And we always start with someone's maintenance intake and we need to then figure out what is a a the, the appropriate macronutrient distribution within that. Okay, so if that was a whole lot of words, let me just take it one step at a time. First of all, to figure out these numbers, what are your options? So, of course, you could use a coach. You could go on to something like I think it's, I think it's TDEEUcalculator.net. So that stands for Total Daily Energy Expenditure Calculator.net. I believe they have a, a free calculator you can use as well. Now, a caveat to this: there's so many caveats. They obviously use an equation to figure that out and then they will give you, I believe it's a macronutrient just distribution based on like whether you want to eat like high protein, high carb, high fat, whatever it is. Okay. Now I, I, in my, in my personal opinion, in my experienced opinion, working with females who train their macronutrient distribution, I don't like the apps that you can log on. So say you could use an app to figure out your calories and macros, like a MyFitnessPal or whatever. Again, I hate them. <laughs> the calculators are shit. They're not made for women who train. They, they'll give you uh, heaps less food than you need. And they typically give you just the recommended diet, uh, sorry, the, the RDIs for protein, which is very low. It's not for people who train and looking at maintaining or building muscle mass uh, and super high carb, typically really low fat. I actually did mine yesterday on an app, which I won't name. And I actually said it in it. I wanted to gain weight. I'm in a growth phase at the moment, trying to put on as much muscle and mass as I can for a competition next year. And actually said, I, maybe I got something wrong, but it spat out, um, 500 calories less than my maintenance and it was trying to tell me that was my surplus that that would they actually it actually said this is 100 calories more than your maintenance oh sorry i don't know crazy crazy stuff right and then the macronutrient distribution was stupid again super super low protein um and it was just crap but anyway so what do I use? I have actually created my, well, to an extent, my own calculator in like an Excel spreadsheet uh, where I've used the Harris-Benedict equation. There are multiple equations that you can use. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to search them if you search like total daily energy expenditure calculations online. You'll be able to, or equations, sorry, to figure that out. And uh, basically with the experience and the niche that I work with, I, I just, I, I know within the appropriate macronutrient distribution ranges, which is typically going to work for what person. So for example, um, if we're looking at maintenance calories for, you know, a woman who trains uh, in terms of protein intake, we're probably going to be going anywhere from say 1.6 grams of protein per kilo of uh, body weight to maybe up to 2.2 and if we're looking at fat, we're looking at probably 0.8 grams of fat per kilo of body weight up to 1.5. And then filling the rest of the person's 
mm, calories with carbohydrates. If we're in a deficit, the only real changes to that is protein can go to 2.3 grams per kilo of body weight plus um, because we're at more risk of losing muscle mass in a deficit, so we want to make sure we're preserving it. Um, so that's why we would do that. And then, of course, potentially, you know, we'd be looking at potentially needing to drop fat a bit lower, but it's super specific to the individual and then their own needs. Some women do much better off higher fat, so we'd keep their fat higher and pull from their carbohydrates, right? Now, in a surplus, we're at less risk of losing muscle mass, uh, so we can bring the protein down to you know around that maybe 1.6 1.8 it depends sometimes i might keep it at two grams depending on the person in front of me um we're looking to keep fat no we really wouldn't want to go over 1.5 grams of fat in a surplus phase typically for most women who don't have any issues um but i like to keep it around the one gram per kilo of body weight and then again we're just going to flood the rest of those calories with carbohydrates right so there is a little bit of experience understanding education we need to understand instead of just relying on the calculators online and that's where if you're really keen get a coach like i said you can figure this out all of this information is freely available online you can do it yourself uh, in my position just because i've had the experience of working with hundreds and hundreds of women over the last five years i have patterns of what works for this specific kind of woman training this specific amount of days doing this you know, specific amount of steps and those sorts of things and yes like i said it is still really really individual um but it's going to be different to, for example, men, <laughs> right, <laughs> who are going to have typically on, on average a high BMR to start with, okay? So that is that. Um, now, um, if you're looking for some help in terms of how to actually track your foods, like you've gotten into the app, you, you've got your calorie targets, you've got your macronutrient goals, and you're like, okay, where to from here? If you want a video of me actually doing this, I do this on my computer, I have my fitness pal up, and I talk you through how to, how I, and I actually show you how I would track a typical day of eating, hitting, you know, just a, just a random number of, of macros, but it helps so you can actually see the process send me a message to the fit and free podcast account that's at fit and free dot podcast on Instagram. And I'll send you a link back to, to the video that I've made. That's totally for free. I'll send you that. So just contact me in the DMS and you can see how to do that. A walkthrough video, all the women in my clam body education portal get the video. Actually the women in my growth phase course get the calculator too. So just keep an eye out on the, open dates for growth phase if you're if you're interested in this kind of thing for going into a extended maintenance phase or even a surplus calorie phase phase next year i'm going to be opening growth phase again we're in week five this week we're almost finished it's a six week course but yeah they get the calculator i explain how to use it and all those sorts of things so it's exclusive to those women if you're interested let me know and if you're interested in the um, a walkthrough video let me know as well so the way you typically go about this, you literally just start using the search function. You can use barcodes to scan. You can type foods in. And the way I would do this, if I was you not working with a coach, I would just decide to track a few days of what I would normally eat. So you know your targets, but I wouldn't try and hit them just yet. I would just see where your natural food uh, gets you in relation to your target. So maybe three days track them. You're going to see whether you're actually well under your maintenance calories, where you, whether you're a, about 
right on average, or maybe you're eating in a huge surplus. So with any of those things, if you're eating well under, your goals, first of all, would be to reverse diet up to maintenance or go straight to maintenance. Of course, if you're in a surplus and you don't want to be in a surplus, you would look to start to come down, bring your food targets down. You're also going to see where you stack up in terms of your macronutrient targets, okay? Maybe for you, your protein is super, super low. You need to bring that up. You know, it could be fats are way too high. They're well over 1.5 grams per kilo of body weight. Need to bring that down, those kinds of things, okay? My final recommendation with the nuts and bolts, keep it simple. Try to aim for the single ingredient foods and you can add the fun stuff where, you know, where it is. So most of your diet will be whole foods, single ingredient foods. And then if you want to add in like some ice cream or some chocolate or whatever, you just scan the barcode, put in the amounts and there you go, right? And people often get a little bit nervous with this and like the flexibility of of it all. Highly recommend when you're tracking macros to track everything ahead of time the night before or the morning of. Just Tetris around the portion sizes to make sure you're really close with the targets. Um, Another tip is to, apart from planning ahead of time, is to just work off weekly averages. Not every day needs to be perfect, but in something like MyFitnessPal and a lot of the other apps, you can see how you're going against your goals as an average for the week. Just get within those 10 grams of protein and carbs for the week, five grams of fat for the week, within five grams of your fiber targets over, over the course of the week. It gives you a little bit more flexibility again during the day. You know, you might be a little bit under, a little bit over each day, close enough, but your average might be spot on, right? And that's how you know you're doing a really, really good job. It also takes the pressure off each day needing to be perfect. And kind of like riding off a day and then thinking that you need to start to get Monday. It's like, well, not really like, yes. So I went over 200 calories on Tuesday. That's fine. I can, you know, take 50 calories off the next few days if I wanted to, or I could just not even, and, and can, you know, go as per usual the next day. There are lots of different options available to you. Let's talk about common mistakes now. So starting to wind this podcast up. (laughs) Common mistakes. Using the app's macro splits, like I've already said, don't use them. Use something like an online calculator to figure out your own. And if it's well outside those ranges for maintenance that I said before with like, you know, 1.8 to 2.2 grams per kilo body weight per protein, uh, 0.8 grams of uh, 0.8 grams per kilo of body weight of fat up to 1.5. It's just a bit of a red flag. (laughs) Uh, Look, just don't use them and have a look for calculators online that give you um, ranges based on those targets. Or again, uh, you can message me and I have a presentation on these numbers if you want all of these numbers in front of you in text. So you can message the Fit and Free podcast for that presentation. Look at all the freebies I'm giving out today. Uh, don't rely on macro percentages. This is a weird thing that I see all of the line. Like what's your macro percentage split or what's your ratio split? Like I eat 40% protein, 30% carbs, 30% fat. Who the fuck cares? You know why? It's missing out the calorie thing, Right. We need to know how many calories we're consuming. And within that, like percentages legit, that's not what the evidence is based on. The evidence isn't based on percentages. It's based on those macronutrient ranges like I was talking about before, protein, carbs, and fat. Well, protein and fat ranges. And then typically for those of us who are training, it's uh, diverting the rest of the calories to carbohydrates. Just a little caveat there, understanding that particularly if we're in a deficit, 
calories and protein are equated. The evidence doesn't show that you're going to get any better or worse results splitting up uh, carbs and fats how you see fit. So they're ranges for a reason. None of this is like black and white has to be this amount and otherwise you're not going to hit your targets, okay? These are all ranges. Using someone else's numbers, asking someone else what they're eating, it's really just a way to, well, number one, you're not going to get the results. You're not the same. You don't have the same activity levels. You don't have the same hormonal profile. You don't have, you're not the same age, height, um, training's different. Your ability to recover will be different. Your goals might be different. There's so many different things. So don't look to celebrities or fitspos for their numbers. Uh, it's not going to help you. And then don't use their numbers to compare because I used to do this. I used to see all of these women eating what seemed like heaps and heaps of food um, and wondering why I couldn't. Just look at your own anticipated uh, total daily energy expenditure or at least BMR, making sure you're eating well over that. Um, And if you're not, look to increase your food intake or activity levels to allow you to eat that amount of food and maintain your weight. So that could be a process over time. But just a little bit of an anecdotal story on this. I remember looking up to one female's character uh, calories she was eating thousands and thousands and thousands and I couldn't understand why turns out a few years later she had an undiagnosed um, medical issue that meant um, that she wasn't adequately able to process the calories in her foods um, and it was actually really dangerous for her to have been eating like that amount of food um, even though she wasn't getting any way I don't understand all of the medical ins and outs but just to just as an example here I was getting jealous that this girl is able to eat three four thousand calories and look to be like 14 percent body fat and I couldn't understand why it was a medical issue um, that she should her, yeah anyway it was a medical issue right so rather than being like I when I grow up I want to be able to eat you know 4,000 calories at 16% body fat like you need to just keep your eyes on your own lane and if you would if you would like to be able to increase your intake because uh, you know when you're looking at the, the equations and what those numbers are spitting out. Again, you're not a robot and there's going to be individual variation. But for example, if you're at the moment only able to consume a certain amount of um, food and you would like to increase that, just you've got to track your own data. You've got to keep your eyes in your own lane, increase that over time um, and just have a look at your overall activity levels and all those sorts of things as well. Activity, stress, sleep, it's all going to play into how much you can eat. All right, and let's just stop glorifying other people's numbers and then feeling really bad about our own, all right? Failing to hit your fiber targets, really easy to do if you're tracking macros and you just subscribe to the IIFYM if, if it fits your macros. Um, sometimes people forget about fiber. Fiber is obviously very important for gut health, overall health, uh, hit your fiber target. Being too rigid, again, we are trying to, well, the whole point of engaging in something like tracking macros is to give you flexibility. If you're rigidly tied to it, you know, if the app goes down for one day and it causes you to have a downward spiral, this is you, this is a red flag. Uh, Let's look at having some untracked days, (laughs) please. Uh, So we can, again, learn to trust yourself. Trusting yourself is going to be really, really important. And again, trust yourself is different to, again, using, quote unquote, listen to your body as an excuse to just eat like a fucking idiot. I'm not talking about that. Most of you listening won't fall into that category. Anyway, most of you listening are going to fall into the too rigid category um, and too scared to even eat when you're hungry, those sorts of things. Again, because, well, if I eat when I'm hungry, maybe I'm not going to hit my goals. And it's like just understanding we don't need to be that rigid. And all of this is about ranges, okay? We have to keep in mind mental health as well as physical health. Uh, Fitting in as much shit as you can. 
Again, I don't think it's going to be anyone listening, but it is common error. Uh, hit your fiber. Think of this as a food budget. Sorry, as a as a financial budget. You would pay your rent. You would pay your mortgage. You would pay all of your bills. You would pay your savings and investments before you go out and buy a new pair of Balenciagas. <laughs> um, that was a massive, massive joke. Um, so we need to do that, right? We need to start with the basics first and then we can add fun stuff around it. So talking more processed foods around it, um, more calorically, uh, sorry, calorically dense processed foods, I mean, not, not just talking about things like, you know, I don't know, uh yogurts and that which technically processed foods uh but can really help us hit our goals okay then the final problem is not weighing items when we don't have the experience behind us using cups spoons and eyeballing instead of weighing foods so for example just like free pouring pasta when you have no idea what the macronutrient content of pasta is um same thing for like I don't know if you're baking recipes, just using cups and spoons and stuff, just use a, a food scale until you start to eyeball portion sizes and know that better. Uh, otherwise, you can be way, way, way out and not know what's wrong, uh, why you're just say you're in deficit, you're not losing fat, and it, it looks like you should be because you're hitting your macronutrient targets perfectly. Uh, ask yourself, am, am I weighing, sorry, am I using cups and spoons and eyeballing or am I actually weighing? Because weighing is going to be way more accurate. So there are the mistakes. Finishing up just with the questions. So the first one was like, how do you manage like the 80-20 rule through all different phases, deficits, maintenance, and surplus phases? So the first thing is actually really interesting. Let's talk about the 80-20 rule for a second. So this is just like, you know, 80% whole foods, 20% fun foods. Uh, I actually saw if, if those of you who know Sohi Lee, she was talking about people actually rigidly subscribing to this and then looking at their food entries and asking, asking themselves like, is 80% of my food intake whole foods and is only 20% of it? fun foods and i think again this is just adding another layer of rigidity where we were trying to add flexibility where we were trying to increase flexibility so i like to take this as the 80 20 rule more as hit all of your your basic targets first through mostly whole foods and then we're going to have some room for fun foods right so in a deficit we're going to probably end up eating less fun foods because we're going to have less room for it in maintenance or surplus phases we're going to have more calories to play with so we'll have more room for fun foods but what i what i would love for you to take away from this podcast is that the way we want to we want to think about our food intake is we have a basic framework or structure that we're going to stick to year year round and if we're in a deficit we just bring portions down a little bit maybe we're substituting some food types uh, if we're at maintenance, uh, we're sticking to that framework largely. If we're in a surplus, we're just increasing foods and increasing some food types. And I'll go into this in a little bit more detail in a sec. But basically, we have a framework that is okay. So I have, I hit most of my protein. Again, you know, what am I? What do I mean by most? Well, I'm having lean sources of protein um, that are from potentially more single ingredient foods and you might include dairy in this things like yogurts and stuff 
for, you know, to hit most of my protein targets. So, you know, three to four protein feedings spaced across the day, which will be things like, um, you know, maybe, maybe fish, maybe chicken, maybe beef, maybe yogurts, those sorts of things, maybe a protein powder. And then maybe I'll have a protein bar and the protein bar would count as the 20, right? The 80, 20, that would be the 20. Then with my, fruits and veggies. So I'll have, you know, plenty of veggies, say five serves of veggies, two serves of fruits. I'll make sure I've hit my fiber targets, right? If I've done all that and I have room, I have calories left over, I can fill it with fun stuff. That's how I would approach this. That's how I would approach it at every phase, deficit maintenance and surplus. And for example, in a deficit, I'm probably going to be using my carbohydrates, but filling my carbohydrates with more potatoes and fruits, those kinds of things. I may not have any room for more processed foods like chocolate. So I may go without, maybe I'll have a chocolate based protein bar instead of chocolate, but at maintenance, typically most of us can start to fit things like, you know, chocolates, ice creams and baked stuff in to an extent uh, but again, I would just stick to those same principles. But this is where maybe instead of just having like potatoes and fruits for my carbohydrate sources, I might go with like more calorie dense forms of carbohydrates like pastas and rice. Okay. And then in a surplus, this is where I might start adding like, like a full Gatorade during training or I might have some room for dessert every night, whereas at maintenance or in a deficit, I don't have dessert, right? So you can see how I'm just working with a basic framework. My foods don't, don't change too much overall. I'm still looking at roughly three to four big bigger meals a day with you know, having a serve of protein for each of those meals, having some fruits and veggies at each of those meals as well, uh, and then adding in what I can around it given whatever my uh, calorie intake is at that point. So, again, like I said, if I have a surplus, maybe I'll add in dessert, which I wouldn't usually have, say, at maintenance or deficit phase. I'm just giving an example here. Um, or like a Gatorade during training those sorts of things, yeah. So think of it exactly how you would a financial budget what do I need to pay for first? Then what can I splurge on? And it's the same thing without food. And I actually got, I posted a question, not related to this topic specifically, but what are your issues when it comes to eating enough, uh, eating in a surplus, I think it was, or eating, yeah, eating in a surplus. And I had some people say, well, thinking that I needed to change my, or overhaul my whole diet. No, you don't. Say like we're going from a deficit into a surplus phase. Typically, though, in a deficit, we'll eat higher volume foods, so more lower calorie foods, lower calorie dense foods, things like salads and fruits, berries, those sorts of things. Um, and in a surplus phase, that can make us feel full really fast. So that's where I might go for something like Gatorades or maybe even some lollies, um, more cal like dried fruit potentially those sorts of things to help us get those foods in without going over our fiber intake which is going to upset our tummies um, making it really hard for us to get in the foods like if we ate absolutely every single thing that we did in a deficit just increase the portion sizes for a surplus we might feel a bit sick so that's where we're going to have to move to some less uh, some more calorie dense foods to help us uh, but again this is all trial and error it's super individual and I would keep everything as simple as possible and then uh, start adding things in from there, depending on what phase you're in. 
It's also really important to stay accountable, potentially have quarterly reviews to see how you're going with your food intake. You know, has takeaway started to slip in too much? Has alcohol started to slip in too much? And then also getting blood tests probably every something like six months, at least every 12 months to make sure that you've hit your micronutrient in, uh, targets and that we're not lacking vitamin D, B. Um, typically people are okay with C, but iron can be another one, zinc, magnesium, those sorts of things could be potentially low for you. And you don't want to just supplement willy-nilly. You, you want to get a blood test and know that you're actually deficient before you start supplementing in like, um, you know, specifically like zinc and vitamin Ds and those sorts of things, but very useful to continue to get blood tests. So the last question is like, do you still eat to meet your macro targets when you're not hungry? So snacks or desserts to add in, right? If you're not hungry, as per usual, there's lots of nuance here. So number one, what's your goal? So just say you're a general lifestyle client, you're at maintenance and you don't have a specific goal as in, you know, adding on muscle, making, doing some sort of competitive performance goal, then, you know, I might not eat up like eat more than than my satiety if I'm just a general lifestyle client without a very specific physique goal. Um, unless, and again, there's another caveat here, but unless you know you undereat, and that either is going to lead to unintentional weight loss or overeating at a later point, because you cannot feel hungry one day and then it catches up with you two days later and you well overeat and you've you've really screwed things up. So I would just ask yourself, um, have you been engaging in this pattern longer term and it's everything's been okay? You've relatively been able to maintain your scale weight. You're really happy with your you know, body image, the way you eat, uh, and it hasn't led to either unintentional weight loss or overeating. If that's you, then I wouldn't bother too much, right? But if you have a specific physique goal, if you have a specific performance goal, if you have specific issues that you know you are scared to eat, um, are scared of eating food, um, have trouble like with overeating when you get hungry, all of those sorts of things, um, then I absolutely would just continue to hit your targets consistently. It's going to be really important for you to hit your targets consistently, okay? And if it's challenging for you to get the food in, that's where you might look to more calorie-dense foods um, and maybe even some lower fiber foods if you're already hitting your fiber targets to help you get those calories in. So as an example, I've had a client who had been dieting for the best of three years. This is not with me. This is prior to coming to me. She'd just been in this mindset of either like I'm either dieting or I'm going to be obese, right? There was no middle ground of maintenance for her. So when we started to introduce more food, she had a huge problem with way too much fiber and lots of bloating and discomfort. Okay. So I was suggesting to her like we need to actually take out these whole foods for you because her, her diet was almost all whole foods, which, you know, amazing to an extent, except, except when you're consuming far too much fiber and it's, it's, it's actually an issue for you. Like it's an issue. So then we had to do some more, we had to introduce some more calorie dense foods for her to help her hit her targets, decrease her fiber. She's still, of course, eating mostly whole foods. Um, we're, you know, making sure her bloods are all okay and, and that's all fine. And she feels good. But this is where I would recommend some more calorie dense foods to help you, help you get that food in. So 
I hope you guys love this episode. I think I've done two of these now that are like pretty dense uh, that you might need some, you know, pen and paper for. But of course, it's it's my goal to provide you with a podcast that is going to give you this information to help you do these things yourself. And of course, if you if you wanted to reach out for any of those presentations uh, or videos that I've spoke about, just message me through fitandfree.podcast. If you love this, if you've got some something to take away from it, if you think other people or other women would benefit from all of this information. I would super appreciate if you could share it on your Instagram stories, tell people about the podcast, tag at Amy Louise Coaching, tag at Fit and Free. I would also love if you really, really love it to provide me with a review on the podcast. It just helps spread the podcast out to more people and build this community here of women who are trying to build bodies that they love in a very intelligent and strategic way, whilst also managing our our perfectionist tendencies. Yeah, so I super appreciate you being here. And I'm lining up some new guests to speak to because I've done quite a few solo ones in a row. So you can look forward to some guests as well in the future but thank you so much for being here and until next time i hope you have an amazing week